Okay, here we are. Sugar and the Mooney, episode 28. Uh, November 21st, 2020. Holy shit. Let's do the math. You know, my God. I was like, you know, half year doing this stuff. And, um, you know, it's great. Uh, Julian here today, but we're going to jump into everything. We talked about last week with one thing with uh, Zelina Vega. Um, uh, being released from the WWE and that goes into our first topic that we'll talk about um, Phil Mushnick if you're from the New York area or the Northeastern area Phil Mushnick has been a uh, I don't know what to use he's just been a someone involved with like the newspaper and tab- the tabloids like the, the New York Post and uh I want to have something to say because it's also about sports, but it's about pro wrestling. What has to go back to another thing that happened this week with the New York Post involving Zelina Vega. And also, uh, sports fans, 2004, where were you? I know where I was. I was on the, the top bunk with my brother watching uh, ESPN basketball and the Malice in the Palace. And, uh, oh my god it's chaos and it's just like you know like you know we're going to talk about that because i think if you know mouse in the palace you know what we're talking about it was a big moment in uh pre-social media history which is kind of interesting uh we're also going to talk about uh like we all talk about sports and stuff and a dream job like what would be your your job in sports if you had the ability to like just like choose choose a job like a, a I guess a sport, uh, like a dream sports job, and uh, that's gonna be our show today. Oh, not uh, a not a player. Can't be a player, you know. And you, well, well, just hop in. What what are the ramifications? So if you can't be a player, you can't be a coach, right? No, it's any job but a player. Okay, so any job but a player. Because everybody will want to be a player because you're the highest paid. Oh, I was one. You get the fame and blah 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 blah. So it's a it's a question for people that really know sports and like the inner workings and stuff like that because everybody would want to be a famous athlete, you know, and get all the fame and the money and all that stuff. But there's people involved in sports that they don't get, you know, they actually do the day to day work and stuff like that that don't get the the recognition. So we're gonna get into that when it when it comes up. Right. It's funny because like that that says a lot about me. I didn't even expect to be a player. I want to be a player. I'd rather have been something else. Right. You know, I used to play Madden, like just like design the design the outfits and stuff. So I'd be my thing. Also, uh show showed me that uh if if you remember back in the summer, uh during the protests and everything and the riots and everything, uh Kyle Rittenhouse. Um I'm sure that name rings a bell. Um he was actually sponsored by a coffee brand and he was also bailed out by a famous, uh, well, uh, a actor. Um, and we're going to hop into that too, as well. All right. So last week in episode 27, we were talking about Zelina Vega who had, uh, released and then shortly after her posting something about unionization. So, one and one equals two. So um, during the week, um, a couple of days ago, 
the Post, the New York Post, which is always a, always a, always a, you know, you look at it and you laugh, like, because of the, the headlines are so silly and shit, but then sometimes it's dangerous. This time is, I feel it's very bad. Like, not bad, but just dangerous. And it said, uh, Zelina, basically paraphrase it. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to proofread a filthy, uh, you know, typo filled uh, newspaper anyway, but uh, basically, um, uh, Zelina, Zelina Vega fired from risk, because, fired from WWE because of risque, uh, only uh, only fans, you know, page. And I, when I first saw it, I sent it to the show, and I was saying that they were using adjectives and stuff like didn't need to. Like you say, asking about like like saying describing um, like what a bar is, and I was like, oh, boo, boozy. Like you don't need to do that. And then like it just implicates her to, in the reason why she got fired is for something that was wrong. And it's like shaming someone. And it's funny because Vince McMahon and the WWE have always had an adversarial relationship with, with the Post and with someone from the Post. And we're going to talk about him, Phil Mushnick. So before I jump into uh, the show, so um, Phil Mushnick, um, I'm going to say two Mushnicks. There's two different Mushnicks, but Phil Mushnick of the New York Post, he early on jumped on the anti-WWF and Vince McMahon bandwagon during the Jimmy Snuka murder uh, controversy. And if anyone who's a wrestling fan, I'm a wrestling fan, and if you follow me from my He's Gonna Puke, uh, Dark Side of the Ring brought it up where uh, he was one of the people who were pressuring Vince to talk about uh, Jimmy Snuka's involvement in the murder of his girlfriend. And years went by, and there is actual uh, there's an actual like interview from like superstars, a show dedicated to like younger people, like twelve in the afternoon, and it's Vince McMahon pretty much like just like shitting shooting on Phil Mushnick, and he's like Phil Mushnick of the whatever, you know, he's just like whatever, whatever. So it's like ironic that like I feel like this is kind of like pro WWE. By, her, by them like shitting on, um, I'll, I'll, like you know, on you know, Zelina Vega. Like I like I want to know her. Like, I guess you know. So basically, I'm, I'm what I'm saying is like Phil, Phil Mushnick. Beside from the, what I'm saying, because I that was just a post headline. So what about Phil Mushnick now? So. Well, before I, I get into that, um, yeah, like risque, I, that's that's a lot. It's like, you know, um, back in the day, like we'd get those, um, like the Sears or like the J.C. Penny catalog, like, and obviously, yeah. like they'd have like a a lingerie or like a swimsuit section. Like, would it not be like yeah, the risque, for Would it not be the risque part of like those catalogs? But um, I mean, like from what I read in the thing, like it really is misleading because we, we talked about it last week that, you know, part of this um, firing was the, um, was a third party, um, you know, no, no thing that WWE put on its um, performers. 
Puerto Rico. Yeah, um, and uh, they just actually announced yesterday that Undertaker has a cameo now, and it's like supported by the WWE. There you go. Yeah, because I mean, well, see, that that shows like the hierarchy because you know Undertaker is Undertaker. Like they're dedicating like a whole pay per view to him. Um, retiring mm-hmm. tomorrow night. Selena Vega ain't you know ain't, ain't, there ain't no Selena Vega tribute, so I guess they they saw her as expendable. But what I was gonna say was um, you know, with the third party stuff, like what she was gonna do on her OnlyFans, because you know a lot of people think of OnlyFans because it's it's very um it's highly proliferated by like sex workers, like porn stars, cam models, nude models. Um, people like that. So, you know, in that vein, it kind of gets um, it, it kind of gets gets lost when somebody says like, oh, they got like a OnlyFans. But what OnlyFans was meant to do was it was kind of like supposed to be like Patreon. Um, if you're familiar with that, Joel. I mean, if you're familiar with that, Mike. Yeah, it's basically a uh, Patreon version of Instagram. Right, so yeah, you pay for my Instagram. That's pretty much exactly. So what she was, and she's done it on Instagram before. And I've always, I've said to you, I was like, you know, OnlyFans is basically just like a glorified Instagram that you, you know, most of the stuff that's on there, you end up having to pay for. And you know, uh, uh, Zelina Vega is like a um huge like fan of like video games, so. What a lot of people do, if you ever seen like you know the San Diego Comic Con, like I've been to the um New York Comic Con back in two thousand eight. I haven't been since, but if you've seen pictures, like what people do is they dress up like video game characters, comic book characters, movie characters, stuff like that. So, you know, she dresses up like video game characters, like Custom. exactly. So, like people from like you know women from street fighter women from um mortal kombat stuff like that and if you've or comic books and stuff like that and other video games and if you've seen those video games of course like they're not they're scantily clad as it were well they are scantily clad but also during uh 2015 2016 i worked on i actually created a show about women who cosplayed and it's a, it's a form of empowerment. Right. You know, it's a form of empowerment. Like they like doing it. It's an it's a it's not like a you know, and uh, you know, I actually worked on something that, that was like that. It was a form of empowerment. They they think it's. I always found it cool as hell because like. Yeah, man. Like I said, I haven't been to a car. I mean, I haven't been to a comic book convention since two thousand eight. A matter of fact, that was the only one I actually been to. But, you know, you see these people dressed up like. You know, you you'd go to like a comic like this was two thousand eight. So you see people dress up as like the Joker and like Scarecrow and stuff like that from like The Dark Knight and and Batman Begins. And you'd look at like how intricate it is. I remember the one like fly thing I saw. We talk about Sean Connery is like they had it was a dude dressed up like. Henry Jones Sr. and Indiana Jones and like the attention to detail was like phenomenal. Like I think I took a picture of him. Like Junior. Junior. Exactly. And it's like how like 
how do you do that? But I'm, you know, we're just saying this to like frame the idea of what she was planning to do on her OnlyFans. Right. But yeah, so, yeah, we'll continue. And they, they took that away from her. Um, but Phil Mushnick, um, just I, I didn't really know about the wrestling thing, but I wanted because I wanted to give a specific year of when he um, started at the post for what I was going to say. But the first thing that popped up. Yeah. Was uh, ma- yeah, ma- his, his major yeah. targets professional wrestling and his fans. All right, please. You know what? Honestly, so let me just say one thing real quick before you get into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I watch wrestling stuff all, all day long. Obviously, if you go on my Google search, like the fifteenth thing I looked at was him shitting on someone who died, and uh, I'm glad this came up because I want. Please should continue, but I just want to say that what a he's like a. Wow, what a bad person. But uh, I have a devil's ad for him, too. All right, Chug, sorry about that. I just want to say. Yeah, um, like, but what I know of Phil Mushnick, you know, like Mike says, every time of year, this is your first time listening, but Mike always makes a point for people to know, this is New York City, where New York is. So the Post, the Daily News, um, Newsday, all those stuff are, you know, very familiar to us. So it's gotten to the point where every time Phil Mushnick, every time there's an article and it just sounds racist and I see that it's from the post, I don't even got to open it or, or I do open it just to confirm my, 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 um, what I what I think, uh, um, I can't get the word. And I'm like, soon as I see a headline, I'm like, I know who wrote this. Even yesterday, I read this article. One of the reasons I brought it up to to Mike, um, with Phil Moshnick was, um, he wrote an article yesterday, like taking the the NFL to task because the halftime performer at this year's Super Bowl will be like I'm a flat out admit it, he is my favorite um singer the weekend. You know, I've been to oh, more yeah. week- more weekend concerts than I've been to any artist. I have I own all his albums. I could literally say I'm a day one guy. And you know, like the weekend's music is very like you know, drug and sex and that type of stuff. But, you know, Mushnick... You mean rock and roll? Yeah, a lot of stuff like rock and roll artists. Any song ever recorded since, like, 1939. Right. (laughs) And I I, I looked at him complaining about um, them choosing The weekend. And I've always said, like, you know, the, the, um, you know, and he brought up all of the the old... um, all of the greatest hits, um, all the rate greatest racist hits, you know, bringing up um, Shakira and Jennifer Lopez last year for, you know, not oh, dressing conservatively. Yeah, it seems like a uh, e- like eons. Not even last year. It's, it's February. It's still this year. <laughs> but it was it was the last Super Bowl. Um, he talked about like the NFL hooking up with Jay Z. Which is which brings me back to an older Phil Mushnick um, article that I'm going to bring up in a second. Um, he talked about Beyonce 
um, celebrating the murderous Black Panther party. Um, you know, but he, he really has, like, to me, for me, for, for me, he's, like, he, he he's a person, he, to me, he has very racist views, and every time he comes up, I always think of, I always say, oh, it's, um, the not, you know, like, wow, the, the, the New York Post really has, like, a, a freaking Nazi or a KKK member on their payroll, but the other thing before, Mike, I'll let you, uh, you know, yeah. I'll let you get on on it. One of the old, the first time I was introduced to Phil Mushnick, when the New Jersey Nets moved over to Brooklyn and became the Brooklyn Nets, of course, Jay-Z, I think around like 2007, 2008, he bought like a minority stake in the New Jersey Nets with the idea, you know, with the idea of them moving to Brooklyn. And he would have kind of been the, like the face of the ownership group. And when they moved, you know, they revealed like their new, you know, they abandoned like their old colors, you know, the famous right. like back-to-back finals yeah. colors. And then they opted to wear black and white. And, you know, they kind of like the, the whole aesthetic of the Nets, like to this day, because they haven't changed their uniform, is like a, a hip hop vibe. And he was saying like, oh, the Brooklyn, the Nets are moving to Brooklyn. Maybe they should change. Then they, since they're moving, they should call themselves the New York niggas. Like, Mike, literally, it was an article he wrote for the Post. That's why I told you. It was like, what? Oh, wait. So I had this uh, bell here. It's the first time that the N word has been. First time we had said it on the show. No, that's not, that's not something before. But I'm saying, like, this is the type of person that he is. He said that because Jay Z, you know, Jay Z's music, he uses the N word, blah, 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 blah. And, like. Yeah, but it, he's, like, above it. He's, like, he's like kind of like a. It's bizarre. Like, it's really bizarre. Yeah, just just to finish what I was saying, or just a bookend it is like when you write an article like that, or you say this and that about the weekend. It's like to me, you look at somebody like Jay Z, and I, like I said, he wasn't finished with Jay Z because he criticized the NFL for, you know, working with Jay Z in light of the Colin Kaepernick stuff and trying to reach out with, to the black community, which is a whole nother topic for another day. But he he never gave up. My thing is like. In our article, he's like, you know, they should call themselves the New York N-Words. And... Well, well, that shows that he's unoriginal because as we talked about on our show, that one of my favorite shows ever, the Confederate States of America, they said that the New York team was the New York N-Words. They said it on the thing. So he is unoriginal. Remember when we talked about it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's unoriginal. Yeah, so shit. like to me, when I see stuff like that, it's like you know, you look at somebody like Jay Z, who's a rapper, and now he's established himself as such a business yeah. person and an entrepreneur that he's owning a team. The only thing you could take away from him owning a team is he's an n-word. His past. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like I'm, he, you're still calling him a thug. Even though he's he's basically a role model for young black men, you know something yeah. we talked about last week with what? Cameron. So 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 like Bon Jovi with the New York, the uh, Philadelphia Soul, mm-hmm. like okay, same thing. Like 
in his own position, he got a freaking franchise and he was a middle-class guy. You know, like other people that are like, I look up to rock stars and stuff for like some the good reasons and stuff. It's the same thing. Like we're going to get, you know, he's an asshole. He's a loser that sits behind a whole typewriter back in the like, 70s and 80s. Like Mike Francesa. But we're going to get back to that. It, oddly enough, that's one of the people that don't, that doesn't like him. They have like, they, they have, be- oh yeah, that's a, that's another thing I wanted to say because it, it was also going to lead into to Mike, you and the, the wrestling and his attacks on wrestling and the wrestling fans. It's like, yeah. Like I say, he he sounds he's he sounds extremely racist when he's talking about non-white people, you know, Jay Z, The Weeknd, um, Chance the Rapper, Gary Sanchez of the New York Yankees, um, who I'm gonna get in on get into on the next episode of the Black Seats. So look out for that. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr. of the um, Atlanta Braves, like basically anybody or anything, but he does have a, a beef with a lot of prominent white people, Mike and the Mad Dog, Mike Francesca, and Chris Mad Dog Russo, John Sterling. Um, it was a couple different people, but Mike, you, you wanted to talk about his, so his people. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to use a specific thing from 1995. And it's like the most like petty, like bitchy thing I've ever seen ever. So there's a, there's a wrestler that was supposed to be, he would have been probably not big. He would have been like on a level of uh, like a big, not big boss man. He, he was second generation and he died at 33 in 1995. So this is the fucking article after this guy made money off of talking about like pre- all right, I'll do the. Uh, I'll, I'll, so what was going on was that Vince McMahon of WWF, Titan Sports, was uh, in uh, steroid trial, and uh, it lasted from like 1992 to 1994 95, mm-hmm. and that's why Hulk Hogan went to WCW. For fans that aren't that you know, he went to WCW. That happened. That's why he left. And uh, everyone else left too. The Ultimate Warrior left. Everyone like left. And he goes, "No big deal." Uh, another, re- you know, another wrestler died, and it wasn't even like being like, you know, being like sarcastic and stuff. <laughs> Subtlety. Yeah, he wasn't even doing like that. And then, then later on, he said his like, uh, so, you know, what what it was like, and um, and he talked about other people who died too. About like, but then it had nothing with steroids. Those, you know, those drugs like cocaine and stuff. Um, yeah, but it seemed as it was very petty, where it was like anti Vince, and they they hyped up all the um, things that happened in the last three years prior from '95. Uh, but Vince would always shit on the post for some reason like i never understood what he was talking about and then it would be like well there's a wrestling match going on but let me talk about phil mushnick and then he would talk like i'll post it too if you want he's going to people i used to laugh at it and just but now it makes more sense like they had a beef yeah Yeah. so like in mid 95 it's like okay that's why Vince was like on WF Superstars, which is aimed for kids. You want to watch Power Rangers? No, I'd rather watch Vince McMahon's uh, opinion on Phil Mushnick on your post. They're all like, no. It's because of uh, Jimmy Snuka. 
So Jimmy Snuka was accused of murdering his girlfriend. And this is 35 years later. And uh, people that watched uh, The Dark Side of the Ring, they realized that like, uh, it was a cover-up. And Vince McMahon was never charged. It was a cover-up. And Philip Mushnick and another person named Mushnick and some other gentleman that I don't remember his name, but there was two different Mushniks not related that were uh, heavily involved in pushing it to the courts. And um, that's why uh, Vince was just like, had a heart on just to like shut him down. So at the same time where he's a piece of shit and stuff, Phil Mushnick and stuff, mm-hmm. being like a nudge, um, shitting on the wrestling. They, oh yeah, he's shitting on the wrestling thing. No, no, no. He wants this motherfucker to pay for a murder. So that's what I'm saying. Like it was like kind of like a 50-50. That was what I was thinking about today. During where I'm trying to think of like the last thing. Yeah, because like during in '93 to '95, so many people died. Um, they couldn't. They you know, and then some people just like quit work and stuff. Um, yeah. So basically, um, I don't want to get too deep into it. Uh, I, I'll talk about it on like a wrestling thing if I ever do it. But uh, yeah, so he is really not. A, he's an asshole, like you know, piece of shit. And stuff because Vince is a piece of shit too. Um, right. Yeah. So basically, like, yeah. But it was like from one bad thing, and then he started like he he grew a following from being this type of character. And Vince would do like things on roll, like talking about how he was an, like like a dick or an asshole. But no. But he is his his goal is the same as anyone else. You know, you're an asshole. You, you you need to pay for things you did. But now, he's doing it for other things, and it's just like that was his thing, and it's like now he keeps doing it, and it's just like bad. So yeah, so I'm gonna just give some um, quotes and titles of articles of um uh, Phil Mushnick. So this was him on Stephen A. Smith of ESPN. Could it be that that could it be that Smith's urban street hip brother Yak, which seems able to turn on and off with the drop of a kangaroo, is supposed to to appeal, uh, slash pander to young urban street talking sports fans. Uh, wow. Yeah, and he did the same thing with the wrestling thing. He'd be like. With your whatever, whatever bandex, with your uh, your needle in your ass, he would say some same shit with that. I, I, I 95 or 1995. He was talking about like needles in your ass and like weird, like uh, homophobic stuff that he would apply to wrestling. I, I close it out because I don't want to bring it up. Yeah, he said and, then, and then, as long as the nets are allowing, this is from the New York N words article. As long as the Nets are allowing Jay-Z to call their marketing shots, what a shock that he chooses black and white as the new team colors to stress as the Nets explain their new urban home. Why not have him apply the full Jay-Z treatment? It wasn't until he added the next part, which includes the N-word, that got 
the majority of people up in arms. Why the Brooklyn Nets, when they can be called the New York niggers, the cheerleaders could be the Brooklyn bitches or hoes, and the team logo, a nine millimeter with a hollow tip shell, shell casings strewn beneath wanna be jay-z hip go all the way exclamation point end quote oh oh or maybe like destroy a whole neighborhood okay all right and then um he asked why um could the because you know the the chicago white Sox um um they they recruited Chance the Rapper, a Chicago rapper, who for the most part is like, uh, you know, almost as like squeaky clean as you could get when it comes to rappers. Candy bar. Here's a candy bar. And he he asked if Rahm Emanuel, who was the mayor at the time, um, the MLB commissioner and Chicago's Reverend Jesse Jackson, if they would re- recite his lyrics. Um, That's something he also said about... um. The weekend, you know, because the weekend uses the N words in, in his music too, um, with like uh, Roger Goodell, you know, sing weekend lyrics out publicly. I'm, I'd assume, like they're gonna cut out words. It, I don't, I don't understand the issue. So then here's another one. This I, I gotta put the the time on it. It came out in August of 2019. Gary Sanchez doesn't know a thing about baseball. Gary Sanchez, a Dominican person who I've said, me and Joel have said uh, on several occasions, that uh, he gets a lot more flack than the normal baseball player would, just basically off of the fact that he's Dominican. And he, you know, he says Gary Sanchez doesn't know a thing about baseball. And it's like Gary Sanchez, he, 2019. A month, August 2019, a month before that, Gary Sanchez was the starting catcher of the American League in the um, All-Star game. Um, Gary Sanchez was an All-Star, I believe, in 2017, and I think he missed it in 2018, but he was an All-Star in 2017. He was runner-up for... Rookie of the year in 2016. He probably should have won rookie of the year in 2016. So to say that he doesn't know anything about baseball is like an odd phrase. All right. So he obviously has like, um, Munchnik obviously has like a something on someone. Like a, he had like found someone like dead body or like a weird thing, you know? Like, how he has still has a job. It's like, he found something and he's like, all right, now I have a job for life. That and, thing, yeah, obviously. And then um, Ronald Acuna Jr., he, the title of the article was Ronald Acuna Jr. Ronald Acuna is doing his part in ruining baseball um, because, you know, it's a, it's a famous um, moment. Ronald Acuna, he hit a ball hard. And, you know, off the bat, it, like, if you played baseball off the bat, like, something feels like it's going out. So he kind of, like, you know, did a home run trot, but the ball stayed in the yard, hit up against the wall, and instead of him probably being on, like, second, if he would have ran ran it out, you know, he was on first. 
So, you know, his first of all, his manager like nipped that shit in the bud because he took him out of the game, you know, to, yeah, dis- yeah. to discipline him for, for doing it. But I mean, like, you know, white people do home run trots or, you know, hit balls that they didn't run out yeah. and stuff like that. And they don't get magnified in the same way. But to do a whole article and say, like, he's doing his part in ruining baseball. Baseball, you know, as much, you know, we have a baseball, you know, uh, show on here. Like, baseball is boring. People like Ronald Acuna and Gary Sanchez, they make this the sport exciting. All right. So we're also going to talk about uh, Kyle Reinhouse. He was involved in a uh, situation uh, during a protest. And uh, I can give out his whole uh, everything he did. He 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 wasn't involved in a situation of protest. He killed two people. I was going to say, I'm saying what he was charged with was different than what happened. It was, uh, he was, he murdered two people and he was charged with um, different things. Uh, Reckless endangerment. Reckless and ho- homicide. It's not murder. That that's the whole point. Is like he wasn't charged with straight up killing someone. He was given all these other things. Uh, not using a uh, uh, reckless endangerment, and then uh, using a gun that was under you know under uh, age or whatever. That's not murder. So I'm not gonna get the whole. They people get off on him getting murdering people. It wasn't murder. He was even charged with that. So that's why I didn't want to say it. Anyway, so like that was August twenty uh, during uh, during the summer, and sometimes when people are in jail, people come to their defense and stuff. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, Ricky Schroeder. Ricky Schroeder was popular in the eighties with uh, Silver Spoons, and then later on in the early two thousands with uh, NYPD Blue, and. Um, yeah, and there's a picture of him that he looks like a fucking caveman. He's just like out of it and shit. Maybe that's his goal. Maybe he wants to be that. Yeah. Um, so we're not just gonna talk about that. We're also gonna talk about the fact that this um coffee coffee company actually like got him like an endorsement deal. Um, um, Black Rifle Coffee, and they basically have him up in a picture like he signed like some kind of like endorsement deal. Uh, it, it's just funny to me because the people that are probably like applauding this are the same people that were like up in arms and, um, you know, burning their um factory outlet bought Nike sneakers when Nike signed Colin Kaepernick. But Mike, take it away. Oh, what, what, what was that? What I didn't understand that. What burning? What do you mean burning down? Well, if you recall you know in the time since Colin Kaepernick has basically been banished from the NFL he signed a deal with Nike and Nike you know um through a whole like endorsement behind him and Nike's stocks and everything went up so business they they did well to do business with him and there was a lot of people you know, the Blue Lives Matter people, racist yeah. people, Trump people that um, 
I'm never buying Nikes again. Or like they posted videos of themselves like burning their like, you know, obviously like Nike outlet $25 sneakers, not even like, you know, you know, fly ass Nike sneakers and stuff like that. So I'm just saying the fact that this coffee company who also kind of has a connection to what, what I used to do when I was selling the coffee in um, association with all of this. Um, they took this picture with Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, with him. Um, basically, they saying he, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse, he drinks the best coffee in America as if, like, they got freaking, like, Derek Jeter or some shit. Yeah, I mean, when I fucked up and uh, I, I I woke up in a jailhouse, I got McDonald's uh, coffee and I was like, what? Anyway. Um, but yeah, they used the hashtag fight back. Like, fight back from what? Fight back from being murder? Like, that's all things like, you know, that, you know. And it's like, I've, I can create a company right now that's like pro something and then just make it and then now they're famous now for us talking about it so i didn't want to say their fucking name i don't want to say it uh yeah so he sent you know 17 uh we all saw the footage i think it's gonna be the uh, i don't know like what they expect from it like these you know like someone like uh ricky schroeder like what does he expect like what what is the goal from this, because I don't think it's like there's no like what's like the aftermath on this. Yeah, so it was a two million dollar bill. One of the people involved, uh, it's obviously multiple people involved, but one of the people involved is Rick Schroeder, formerly of um, Silver Spoons, a uh, show in the '80s when he was a child actor, and in the '90s he joined. Uh, series called NYPD Blue, which was a famous series. And also the CEO of MyPillow, who's apparently a medical expert because he guided um, one of those people. Oh, Ben Carson on how to, Ben Carson, a, a brain surgeon, guided him on how to deal with his COVID diagnosis. But you know, it, it just highlights the the um you know, if your question is why are there people, you know, basically in his corner, you know, systematic white supremacy, it exists. And then there's people that benefit from it. And obviously there's gonna be people that try to maintain it. And two of those people, the My Pillow CEO and Rick Schroeder, who surprised me. I don't think that. This is just crazy people. This is just crazy people. I can't say yes or no. Look, look. He, this motherfucker wants to be famous by saying that he wants to defend this guy. That's what I say. Someone who was born in celebrityism, I, I, I think it's he's insane. He, like, you know, burned his brain out with what the hell he was using. That's, that's all I'm gonna say. Like, I don't know. Like I think it's weird. I don't think it's him being part of a thing. That's that's why I have to say like no. I think it's just weird people. 
And you can't like say like the whole fucking everyone else is weird with that. Insane. Insane. You sit around in your room all day for like years waiting for a job and you're just like you didn't get it. Hell, I'll get this guy twenty uh two million. That's what I think. Oh no, you got I don't I didn't understand what, what you said. Or what you were trying to say. I, I think there's a lot of people out there just trying people are just trying to throw shit out there and they don't believe in what they're saying. Same with Trump like they just want their name out there. And now our his name is out there now. Because he's just fucking crazy he went crazy. Okay. All right. So like I don't I don't mean believe that. I just mean like like it has some no, but, no, because there's something, there's something there. Because you know, a lot of people that like, support Trump, it's like a whole lot of people, like you know, random people from stuff in like the '80s or the '90s, or even like people that were like barely relevant in like the 2000s, like your Scott Bayos, your Amorosas, your. Um... They mentioned Scott Bayo in this article. And, oh yeah. Um... Your Kirstie Alley's, your Roseanne bars. It, it, so, I mean, yeah, it could be something like that where, like, you know, these, these people, at the end of the day, like, the stuff on the front that Trump pushes, um, or the, you, you know, you kind of got to, like, you know, widen the lens from, like, the Trump thing, but just, like, that Fox News vibe and you know we talked about it a little bit where it's like 74 million at the end of the day even though trump lost the election 74 million people still voted for him so if you were somebody like a scott bayo or somebody like washed up you know a fading star or your star has already been faded and you need you know some new gas um somebody like a Scott Bayo, like, I mean, somebody like, or, or just like this frame of mind or, or speaking to those 74 million people might seem beneficial to you. Yeah. I mean, but, um, I mean, we, we've seen the footage. We actually see it. We, we watch it, but there's people that are so famous from someone that happened in the nineties that there was no footage of, obviously, but they're famous now too, with the Kardashians and stuff. It's like, there's people that are going to defend someone, you know, no matter what. There's people that are going to defend someone who did something crazy, no matter what, which is, you know, just something we have to watch and follow, and especially in, uh, you know, like in the celebrity realm, because obviously we're talking about uh, someone who defended him was from Hollywood. And, you know, and it was um a famous like um, coffee company that kind of like threw their support behind Black Lives Matter, and a lot of people said, "Oh, like don't drink their coffee, drink this Black Rifle coffee." Um, instead, because you know their Blue Lives Matter, their MAGA, their you know every everything. If you want to be a shitty person in America that, that you want to be, then you got to drink this this coffee. And for all I know, if the coffee is any good, because I'm not going to try it. If, if you know, you're endorsed. It's just crazy to me because they basically had this kid, like, 
they took a picture of him like yo like he drinks the best coffee in the world and like you know yeah I mean, you, he, he, looks, he feels like a superstar look it, it, guys I, I will po- I'll post the photo right now but if you see the picture of him he seems like a superstar like he didn't do anything wrong like he's a fucking star what he's probably been been told prior now when he was in isolation when no one was talking to him fucking whatever unless you know now he's all like you know like gleeful and shit and he's playing all shot team like he he's in he's involved in the stuff but look at the photo of him he looks like he looks like he's a freaking in shock uh like he looks like he looks bizarre you know i mean he's just living and then uh this is one of the things i kind of wish i had joel on it because i haven't gotten to watch the the um the documentary series yet but he had you know the name people bring up is Khalif Browder, who is a young man who was accused of stealing like a book bag or something like that. Oh yeah, I remember that. And he was held on yeah, Rikers, yeah. Rikers Island for like three years, man. He never got out. Exactly. And then when he finally did get out, like you know the the institutional the 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 prison, the fact that he was in prison and the stuff like he faced while he was in prison. Um, he had PTSD and he ended up killing himself. Like when he finally got out, he he, he kept getting more charges for doing nothing, more and more charges. And then by the time he got, he, he was homeless. Like he, more and more charges for doing what? Defending yourself? Then you get charged for doing. Yeah, yeah, that that that's insane. Yeah, so um, man, that, that that place is insane. You know this kid, um, Kyle Rittenhouse is just. It, it 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 just shows you that it really is like to Americas, because I mean you you look at his case first of all, he goes from, um I think it was Illinois to Wisconsin, yeah, to 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 as part of like a militia. He's seventeen year old, seventeen years old, so he couldn't buy the gun that he used to kill people. He kills these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after he kills the people, he walks right past the police while holding a gun. On photo. And there's a video of him doing it. And I, it's crazy to me because I remember one of the first things I, I remember when I moved here to New York um, from the Virgin Islands, one of the, like the most prominent cases um on the news you know channel 11 whatever i was watching every night amadou diallo yeah. the guy is pulling a wallet out of his jacket yeah. and the police shoot him thinking that it's a gun and it's like there's this kid that just killed two people there's video of it so it's not like something like it's like not like uh you know, like, like this is what I think I saw. It's a video of it. This kid's walking, carrying a, a, an assault rifle, and to the police, he's not a threat. Now, if it that kid looked like me or he looked like Joel carrying that gun, you know, there there's another. You know, during a protest of a black man getting killed, it would have had another black man getting killed. This is insane how this thing works. Yeah, it was uh, reckless endangerment. Um, nothing like nothing about murder. It was it was not one murder thing. It was just reckless endangerment. Um, 
things like that. Things using a weapon of murder to murder someone, basically. It was all like things like that that he got charged with. But I don't know. Nothing like straight up like I murdered you. Alright, so I remember I was sitting in my room. I was watching uh Flipping Through the Channels with my brother. And uh ESPN was always like we would just pop ESPN and or uh yes and stuff. We popped on the ESPN and uh it was like the later game for the uh for the NBA. And we're watching it and at the time it was 2004. One of the kind of like the hard hitting top teams were the uh, Midwest Midwestern teams like the Detroit Pistons and the Indiana Pacers. So watch this game, and the, it's one of the guys I wish that my team the Knicks had. Uh, you know, I just was watching it, and like as I watch it now, I'm just telling you now, watching it now. It was a normal play, and it was an elbow up 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 in the fucking throat, and then Ben Ben Wallace. And Reggie, uh, Ron Artest, just go at it, like, and, like, oh, my God, like, like and we were watching, like, what the hell? I remember watching, I was, like, watching it live, and that's the whole thing that happened. And from there, uh, chaos. So, uh, I remember me and Joe we were talking about this at work one time, like, really early on when we first met, and uh, he told me well, where he was at. So, uh, uh, let's tell everyone where you were at when you, uh, no, we're, you know, it's um, definitely one of those moments. Like, I always see, like, this question on Twitter. It's like, oh, um, if you were, um, what, what sports moment do you wish Twitter was around for? So, like, for me, that's my go-to and the consensus I see when I see, you know, read the replies, when I see a tweet like that, it's usually always some Alice in the Palace. And it always does bring me back to where I was during the time. And, you know, this was 2004. So I was just getting into my freshman year of high school. Um, I do recall, like, the Pacers started off the year, like, really, really well. And the Pistons... The year before, um, they they went to the NBA Finals. They won the Finals, and you know, in those mid two thousand, they they came off of beating the the like surprisingly beating the LA Lakers, and during that time, like the Pistons and the Pacers, like the lot for about like two or three years, like they were kind of, like, fighting for, like, supremacy in the Eastern Conference. It was, you know, at that time, like, the East is just like the East is now post-Jordan. It's, it was really weak. And, you know, I wasn't really watching the game. But, you know, this is back in the era where, like, ESPN didn't really, you know, a lot of them sports channels or sporting events, they never really cared about, like, starting stuff at, like, a decent hour. So I think that game started around like nine, like eight thirty, nine o'clock. So you know, it was a Friday night. Um ESPN showcase game. And I wasn't even watching that. I was watching like movies or watching something else. But, or maybe even like playing my PlayStation 2. And 
my sister texted me. Oh, she, no, nah, she didn't text me. She called me back then. This is like back when you had to like manually text. You didn't have like a keyboard on your phone. So she called me. So she calls me up at like 1230. And she's like, like, Shabon, like, you, you, are you watching this game? And I'm like, mm, what game? She's like, the, the basketball game. I was like, who? She was like, um, the, the Pacers and the Pistons. And it's wild because my sister, like, she ain't, like, a sports person. So it was just weird that she was calling me, asking me if I was watching a game. Because ain't, like, she would know if, like, this was, like, a close game or, like, a really entertaining game or stuff like that. Um, And she's like, I was like, nah, what happened? She was like, oh, like, they're fighting. So I'm like, all right, like it's the NBA, like people fight all the time, you know, and what happened? She's like, nah, like they like a whole bunch of them are fighting. So I was like, all right, the bench is cleared. Like, you know, that happens sometimes too, but it ain't nothing. I go watch that on like Sports Center tomorrow, whatever, whatever. And she's like, nah, like they're fighting like fans. Like they're up in the stands, like it's crazy. It looked like a riot. So I flip the channel and I'm just like, whoa, like I see Ron Artest, Jermaine O'Neal, Steven Jackson, Jamal Tinsley. Um, I just see them like just like throwing hands with like regular old looking dudes. Like I remember the most famous one was like there was a dude that looked like Turtle from um Entourage, and it was like and and him him and um I think Steven Jackson I can't remember who it was but like he squared up and he ended up getting like floored and it was just like something I never seen before. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I was watching it live. I remember it vividly because like we would like watch ESPN. Me and my brother would watch ESPN at night. Now you said it was Friday. I always thought it was Wednesday, but all right, it was Friday. I didn't know. Uh, but it would calm down, like. I'm watching. I'm rewatching it now as we go. Uh, it would calm down, and everything would be fine. And then I know something else would happen, and then it would flare up again. And even like fucking uh, Brown would be like, like fight. Even the fucking coaches were fighting with people. It's unbelievable. It was insane. It, you know, it was in the it was in the you know uh, the Pistons thing, and like, like unbelievable. Like uh, O'Neal was like this, and he was, he was walking back. Rrr. And he got like a, this holding chucked at him, and the whole thing started up. Larry, Larry Brown was just Larry Brown ran into the crowd too. Like it was like this is like the epitome of you will never see this ever again. Millionaires, multi multi millionaires interacting with crowd this way never again. This was like Ron Artest and uh, Ben Wallace. This is how it started. Ron Artest went in there, Ben Wallace pushed him. And then, you know, then uh, the whole thing started with uh, kind of Ron Test doing this whole thing where he's like leaning up on this shit. That would never happen again. In sports, in anything, in wrestling, they are multi, multi million dollar investments, and you will never see any human being close to them for fun or for negative ever again. This is the closest you would ever see to that shit again. You don't, you don't want to say that again. How close could you get someone like this again? And this is insane. I'm watching it right now. Oh my god! Like, like this is insane. Uh, I'm gonna show a clip of this while we watch it. But O'Neill and Ron Artest, like, it's insane. And like a piston 
is helping from the audience. Is, this is like one of the most like, shocking things I've seen, like in sports. Like I don't know, you know, there's nothing, I don't know what like I can say to him about it beyond the point of that athletes are uh, investments and stuff, and then this will never ever happen again. Like, it's insane. No, are you watching it now? Have you have you put it back on? It's insane. It's the Pistons and the Pacers defending themselves against the fans. And that brings a whole different uh, thing to the, you know, Densmore, remember him? He got hit in the head with a fucking uh, thing. Crazy. Yeah. Then, like, the aftermath of it was, like, the NBA basically had to, like, um, seven minutes. Unbelievable. The NBA basically had to, like, D... Blackenized themselves like they they had like the um David Stern God rest his soul passed um earlier this year um he was the commissioner at the time um he basically uh instituted like a dress code because you know this was during the time like Allen Iverson was still around where guys would show up to games wearing you know street clothes like literal street clothes like. Uh, throwback jerseys, uh, chains and and do rags and fitted hats and you know stuff like that. And he basically told him like he was like, "Yo, like you got us if you when you come to games, like you have to wear when you arrive to the arena, you have to wear like a dress suit. Um, you have to be dressed formal. Um, that's your point. It, uh, actually, I remember." This same, this same time period, uh, I think he should have brought it up on his uh, Twitter account. About Nelly, Nelly and his crew never got enough credit because I remember the first time I saw the throwback thing was like 2003, 2004. Remember, like that was the first time they wore like a throwback thing, and I saw a lot of players wearing it and like not doing the typical what they would normally do. I remember that. Yeah, and um, if you weren't like if you were injured and you were sitting on the bench, like you had to wear um suits that's why like today now you see like guys it's it's funny because they still refer to it as like street clothes but it's like nah he's just not dressed for the game he's just you know sitting behind the bench um the other thing was like they kind of like moved away from like the hip-hop culture which you know i thought was crazy because i was like a culture of the the players like you're a league that's like 80 percent black and it's like you you know at the time it was like divisive because a lot of um it was divisive because a lot of people felt like it was it was racist um it was because it was like us you know when we this is the reason why we're talking about this because of the culture of the malice of the palace or the aftermath of the malice of the palace, like you're still seeing it today. So, you know, one of the things was the dress code. Another thing was, um, players, you know, you couldn't like after that draft, they instituted a, um, age limit. So you had to be one year removed from your high school graduation to enter the NBA. So it kind of forced kids to go to college, which is kind of wild because like the most famous 
basketball player just drafted, you know, a year before, um, LeBron James, you know, he just came straight out of high school. Then the number one pick in that draft, Dwight Howard, he was drafted straight out of high school. And then basic, so basically after that, you know, you're basically saying like the top talent, like, you, you know, there's a lot of kids that were talented enough to go to the NBA, but the M, but, you know, they were talented enough to go to the NBA, but really didn't see the benefit of one year of going to college. So it was a lot of people that ended up going overseas and stuff like that and where they would have been drafted in the NBA and they could have immediately helped their family because that's another thing. Huh? What about, no, I thought the whole thing was also because of like mismanagement of money. It it, it wasn't that whole thing. No, like a mismanagement of money. Like I thought that was like Glenn, you know, like a lot of people like, like a lot of people who, of course, we all remember like uh, Garnett. We all remember Kobe. We all remember that. A lot of people who went there didn't work out. They blew their knee out, and then there was just nothing else to do. I thought that was like one of the reasons why. Um, I might have been part of it, but but like same with football. Like you blew you blow your knee out, and you have nothing else to do. Like what's his name? I keep saying Glenn Rice. Uh, not Glenn Rice. Uh, the guy from uh, the Celtics. Shit, the Celtics guy. Well, the long and short, I'm mm-hmm. just talking about the racial aspect of it. Oh yeah, alright. Because a lot of people, pants. You know, they come from impoverished backgrounds, and it's like, you know, you're telling them like, you have to go to college, and you could go to college, and like Mike, uh, I suppose, is trying to say that like you could go to college and end up like, you know, getting injured. And, you know, you don't have a guaranteed contract, you know, once you get your, your knee blown out, like they just drop you off back in the hood. And, you know, that's something that happened. And, and, it's, like pro. and it's the pro. other thing is like, instead of you being like 18 years old and making money for you and your mom and your dad, it's like, that's basically telling you, no, like, you're 18 years old, like, you gotta go and make Duke University, University of North Carolina, UConn, you gotta make them money. Yeah, and exactly. You come here and make us money. Yeah. Like, like, I think, um, like, sure, like, exactly, like, everything I say, and then it's always 50-50, because the same thing we said earlier on our show about film legend, it's 50-50, and exactly, they want you to go there so they at least before you blow your knee out, you get the money. It it it's fifty fifth. It's always like that, and it's uh it's I I think that's part of our show. It's always, it's always like saying that this could happen, that could happen, and it's like um same. I think me and you we're both Gemini's, but we always see both sides of it. I think um, that's the reason why they did it, and they also did it because of uh, Jay Williams. And that's when it's 2001 they started doing it. But uh, it's definitely because they wanted to make at least money in the college too, which is like, you, you know, I didn't think about that at first, but yeah, Chuck's definitely right. That's also a reason why, because like the NCAA needs to get their money too. I didn't even think about that, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, I was like, at the time, like I said, I was a freshman in high school, and like I wasn't getting any 
um, scholarships as much as I created myself in MVP baseball and Madden and NBA Live. Like, I wasn't going to become, like, a superstar player. So when I saw that, they put an age limit on guys. And it was like, oh, you got to go to college. Because me, personally, I'm looking at it. I'm like, I don't I see now, like, it's an even playing field. If I got to go to college to, to make money, like, you got to go to college to make money, too. But, you know, now that I'm grown and I went through high school and I went through college and, you know, I'm older now, I'm looking back on it, especially when I realize you know the economic disparity the, the economic disparity when it comes to people of color mainly black people you know i'm like yo like they really like you know tried to like shortchange you know a lot of black people and a lot of black families from basically getting themselves out of poverty you know because their kid was like super talented and and stuff like that so- Let's listen to it the first time they announced it on uh, ESPN Sports Center. I want to hear the, like, the, the uh, guys talking about it. Oh. The little witty comments. Maybe it's racist. Mm. Welcome to the broadcast, Steve Berthune, Steve Levy along the way. It wasn't a brawl in Detroit Friday night. It was a full-scale riot and one of the ugliest incidents of player fan violence that we've ever seen in this country. It is right. 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 All right. Off the, off the cuff, uh, the word right. Right is used for what? Show. They use the word right in, for certain situations. With race, right? Mm-hmm. So they use the word race. And uh, right, you know. Yeah, you know, I just I just want to hear the first like thing from when when it went off the air, because uh, my whole like thing is about the fallout from it. Because while it was happening, it was like one thing. Yeah. So um, yeah, so like you saying the whole uh, dress code came from that. Uh, is that de- is that definitely true? The whole like, dress code came from that. Yeah, and um, on like a lighthearted note, when you see all of these like NBA players. You know, it's funny as hell because, you know, they started dressing real, like, um, outlandishly. Oh, like, Here's um, the word outlandish. I was say outlandish. Pro- probably the most famous person was, like, Russell Westbrook. And, I mean, I remember Charlemagne the God. He was like, yo, they don't even, you know, because, like, the dunk contest and, you know, NBA Friday night, the, the um... Also, a weekend Friday night, it kind of lost its luster because, like, the dunk contest started to get kind of lame. And Charlemagne the God, you know, he was talking about how, like, every time on, like, a national NBA game, they would show the guys entering the arena. And these guys would wear some weird, you know, like, off-the-wall, like, fashion sense outfits. And he was saying, like, yo, they need to replace the dunk contest with, um, they need to just let them rip the runway, uh, which was, like, a BT um, special, like, fashion show that they had. It was, like, they, they, they should have, like, a fashion show at the All-Star game. And it's funny as hell because a couple years later, the NBA ended up doing that. They ended up having, like, a fashion show 
like the players doing like a fashion show before the, the all-star game. So I think like the telling these players like, yo, you can't wear like hood stuff no more. Like you got to start dressing nice. You know, guys like kind of went up and like mm-hmm. up and beyond with it. And it's kind of crazy because it just shows you like how creative black people are. I mean, it go back to like slavery time. You gave us like the worst part of like the animal and we used to like do our thing with it and make it into a good dish. That's a good point. Um, the word you use, well, outlandish. And like you took the word outlandish that I was going to say and you turned it into a word that meant more. You brought up talking about like history shit. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's like making the worst of the, making the best of the worst situation. And you know, I couldn't, whatever. But like, it's insane. Like when I'm watching this, um, that like it, it went from for better, for, you know, like I don't know. Like it seems like a different time. And like this was like me early. You know, I, I remember watching this and like, like it's crazy. Um, I was watching Cam Newton. I think two weeks ago. I thought he was a fucking character from Watchmen. I was like, <laughs> he was wearing fucking. He was wearing like print shit. I'm a big. I don't have print shit up anymore. But he had a goddamn like shan- He had like. Layers and shit. You saw that, right? You like, you know, great. Yeah, every time I see you, Cam Newton, I always it's funny. Every time, like you, you, not in a bad way. Express yourself, you know. Every time he has like an outfit, I always have like a cartoon or like a movie character that's exactly like him. Uh, Yeah, but why not? Like, you know, like no, it's it's insane. Because as soon as I see him, like. Oh, this time he's dressed up like the bad guy from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, this time he's dressed like Darkwing Duck, and it's like that. <laughs> I I swear to God, I think it was. Uh, but yeah, like that just shows you, you know, you know the NBA dress code. Yeah, and but like the, my the players dressing to... up, and then the NFL, they look at it and it's like, yo, I'm gonna dress up too, and you know, all of that started from you know this night. At the pot at the palace of Auburn, Auburn Hills, which sadly I think they they demolished it because the Pistons yeah. don't play there, there anymore. The, the palace of Auburn them. Hills is it actually was in a suburb of Detroit. Yeah. Now they play in downtown Detroit in the same arena that the Red Wings play, and it's not too far from um, Comerica Park where the Tigers play and Ford Field where the the Lions play. So all of their teams are like right in the same on the same street, basically, which it's is like Philly. like Philly, literally, you can do a 360 and you'll see it load them up. You know, it's that type of thing. No, you're great. I mean, this is one of those moments where I don't think that would ever happen again. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone should, because uh, I actually pressed record and then let it go from when I stopped talking to that about, uh, it was six, you know, it was like seven minutes and it's, it's, it's crazy that it couldn't stop um but like why like it was gonna happen anyway that's kind of a weird thing to watch um i think it would never have happened where um you know i love i wish he was a nick i wish ron Artes was a nick i wish he became a nick like that well I, well he did <laughs> I, no you know what i mean like ron Artes. i wish he was in, in when he got drafted and stuff and um being like in the crowd and then it ended everything ended and then out of nowhere you see like one person run down and just like you know i don't know it's crazy 
but uh, can't believe it's six years ago. It was the real story, and I can remember it vividly. I think the way ESPN reports it, they're the ones who actually broadcasted it, and they acted like it was like a breaking news thing. You're the guys who are reporting it. They they broke in like it was like, yes, this is happening now. Like wow, like no, you are broadcasting the the, the game. That's it. I mean, it was breaking news because it was. No, it was it was after they should. It was later on. It was like the thing went on for like a long time. I mean, because well, ESPN got. I don't think it was like an actual like long thing. Well, they got multiple right. channels. They they got ESPN one. They got ESPN two. So maybe you got that. It's just funny to me because I think a lot of because I notice it a lot when I go to like sporting events. It's always like some dude. Or like some chick or somebody, some kid, and they're talking like wild shit to like the people on the court or the field. Like, and I'm just sitting there and I hear them and I look at them and they're like, I mean, listen to me. I I talk my fair share of shit too, and they always talk about them like, oh, like, and and you see them, and you look at this person, and you saw see you see them like. Oh, like Ronald Tess, you're such a pussy, blah 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 blah. And it's just like, yo, like if you would not say that shit to Ronald Tess face, because you know Ronald Tess would like knock you the hell out. You wouldn't say that stuff to like Jermaine O'Neal because he'd knock you out. So yeah, when you see when you guys pulled Jermaine O'Neal out. When you see, you know, Ronald Tess, Steven Jackson, Jermaine O'Neal, Jamal Tinsley. This person, that person, they're like, you know, beating up, you know, these fans, you know, after like these fans like instigating. First of all, like the person like threw a beer, like Ronald Tess was just chilling and the one dude like chucked a beer at him. Mm. You know, and I always, you know, we always talk about when I, I used to work, I was like, yo, if somebody, because I've see, heard of incidents at our form, former job, former job where, Customers have thrown product on, um, you know, the people working there, and you know, you kind of gotta like restrain yourself. And I'm like, yo, if if somebody ever threw something at me, like I'm hopping over, I'm hopping over the counter, and like we're scrapping, like that would be my last day working there. So, you know, it's funny, like that malice of the palace incident. It, it definitely does, like, you know. Well, my, it resonates my with me. Yeah, and it wasn't open. It was open ended in my mind. I thought it was open ended. Like I think this, you know, you know, I, I you know, I, I think it's open ended. Where I would feel the same way. Like, why watch it? Like, yeah, it's like I mean, I, 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 watching a historical things. This is a real thing that's like still going on. And yeah, of course, this guy shows up. And then, like, you, it, as recently as, I think, like, it was a year or two ago, like, Russell Westbrook, you know, he's in Utah, and, like, I think, like, this guy and his girlfriend was, like, you know, telling him, like, a whole bunch of, like, racist stuff, and, like, somebody caught him on camera and was like, yo, like, I'll, listen, I will fuck you and your girlfriend up, and, like, that circulated, you know, that video of him saying that. And like, oddly enough, like I was astonished because I I kind I knew what was gonna happen. I was like, oh, they're gonna make Russell to be out to be the bad guy, blah 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 blah. But it's like, at the end of the day, these people are 
reg, you know, they're, they're human beings and they have feelings too. And oh. they could hear things. And if you say the wrong thing about somebody, you're talking about somebody like Russell Westbrook. He's somebody's husband. He's somebody's father. He's somebody's son. He's somebody's brother. He's somebody's nephew. Like, you know, you don't know what people are saying to these people. Like, I heard a story of, like, J.J. Redick when he was at Duke. J.J. Redick was one of the most, like, hated college basketball players of all time. And while he was playing, like, somebody yelled at him. He was like, yo, it was, like, an interview on, like, I think, like, Real Sports with Brian Gumble, And somebody, like, he heard somebody say, like, yo, I would – he he was like JJ, I will rape you. I'm. He was like I'm gonna rape your little sister. Some something like that. Like it was something crazy. And he was like, you know, you're an athlete, and you gotta kind of like, you have to be the professional in that situation. And like I say, it speaks to me being a person I worked in retail. You know, a lot of people don't realize like you're you're dealing with real people, and they always assume that that person, it, you know they always understand that like the 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 weight of being professional is on the worker so they're not gonna like respond so you can basically say and do whatever you want to them hi everybody so uh most of us you know we like did little league and we play like basketball and stuff in the, in the park and stuff uh, and of course uh most people uh aren't destined to be you know making a living in the sports world uh, but me and Sherry were talking, and we're like, uh, what job would you have if you could, besides being a player in uh, in the sports world? Uh, I'm going to ask Shug first. Yeah, so this this question came across on um, on Twitter, as most of the stuff we <laughs> discuss. Grandpa. I like, I like it because it comes it, – it makes you think. And – you have to you have to hire a writer. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like your your first instinct if you want to be in uh, in sports, um, you want to be like an athlete because you um, you, you know, you wanna you wanna be an athlete because they get all the recognition, they get the money, and all you know the fame and all of that. So it really does get you thinking. And it's a lot of different, like, if you really watch sports and you really understand, like, the background of it, um, there's so many different jobs and there's so many differences in the jobs and stuff like that. So there's, like, you know, the head coach. You could be an assistant coach. Um, general manager. You could be the owner. But the one job, like, I thought about, and I was like, what I would do is be the president or the vice president of the operations of um the the you know you'd hear like vp or president of basketball operation vp president of football operations or vp president of baseball operations stuff like that and i remember like growing up over the last like 10 years or so, I realized it, it seemed to me that like that position 
did basically the same thing as the GM of the team. And it wasn't until I realized that, like, I, um, it wasn't until I realized that it, that wasn't the case that like, you know, a president of basketball, op, you know, a president of whatever sport operations and a GM is like two different things. So I chose president of operations because, you know, what essentially you do, like if you're the owner, like I'm going to just talk about like the downside of like these positions of the other positions. If you're the owner, you own the team. Of course, you make a lot of money. You get to go to all of the games and basically, like, it's your toy and whatever, whatever. But you face a financial responsibility and you face, like, backlash from the public when your team doesn't do well, blah, 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 blah. As we've seen with, like, Jim Dolan and as we've seen... Like, I'm just going off of, like, the team owners, the the owners of the teams I follow. Jim Dolan obviously gets, like, the most flack. But now you're seeing, like, um, John Mara and um, Steve Tisch, who are the co-owners of the Giants. Even though these are two owners that have overseen two Super Bowl wins. The recent history of the Giants, people are very critical towards them because of the product on the field. And then there's Hal Steinbrenner, who is somebody like most Yankee fans are critical of because his father was such a you know a great owner. But remember, like George Steinbrenner, he also faced a lot of criticism in the late 80s and the 90s, early 90s as well. Um, yeah. When the, the, the team kind of had like a downturn. There was a, there was a famous uh, magazine cover of him just as George Washington that was like literally right before or right after they won 96. You know, it was like, it was tumultuous. You know, I remember that. Uh, yeah. Try and better. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's rough being... It's rough in our aspect being an owner. Not only that, but if your team is not doing well, like you face like the economic um responsibilities. Like if like you're not if the attendance is low, um you're not making the sales, like you have to make payroll and stuff like that. So that's why I wouldn't want to be the owner. Then there's a general manager who's the person that makes all the personal decisions. They hire the coaches, they draft the players, they um, sign the players, they make the trades, blah, 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 blah. And, um, but at the end of the day, it's a very like replaceable position. And then there's a head coach. The head coach, basically, like, to me, they're in between a player because it's like you'd rather be the GM or you'd rather be the player. Nobody wants to be the coach because the coaches, unless you're in college football, um, but what we're talking about specifically is professional sports. If you're a head coach, um, you're usually the first person 
where all the blame gets passed on to and you're the first person let go. It's very few times you've ever seen a head coach basically um be able to absolve um you know the misfortunes of the team. You know, case in point, a lot of people watch the last dance um documentary over the summer about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Um And you saw that Jerry Krause, as bad as he was, and as no, you know, the, the greatest player in the world didn't like him. The greatest coach in the history of basketball didn't like him. And somehow he outlasts both of them. And, you know, I think about it, and I was just like, yo, president of so and so operations, you basically, if you have a hands off owner, because there's there are a lot of owners that are hands on as you've seen with like Jerry Jones. Cuz Jerry Jones is basically like he doesn't have a GM, like he's the GM of the Cowboys and he also owns the team. But he since he's a he, since he's the owner, like he can't fire himself. But at the same time he refuses to hire somebody else to do his job. But a lot of teams what they do is the owner doesn't want to do the day-to-day stuff. You know, a lot of times, like, you know, owning the team is just like a hobby or a business investment. So they're or, not into the, the, like you say. they're not into like the day to day businesses of it. Um, so I thought about the president, like the president is usually somebody, a lot of times it's usually like a former player, um, a former coach or, you know, and they usually have a lot they have a long leash because if you're a former player or former coach, a lot of people the the public you know looks upon you very well. That's why a lot of times when I see a lot of like um job openings in the head coaching or the g m job, you know people they always look towards like a former player or former coach to take those jobs because they assume like the public will give those people a longer leash than somebody that they don't know. But if you're the president of um, operations, you know, you're basically like the owner, but you're the owner without the financial responsibility. And you're usually the last person that the buck gets tossed to. There even is time where like a president, they'll hire a GM. So you'll have a, you know, you'll be making all the personnel decisions or the personnel decisions go, have to go through you before getting approved. And, um, Man. you know, if everything goes bad, like you, you could fire, you could trade players, you could release players, you could fire the coach, you could hire a new coach. You could hire a new GM, fire the GM, and stuff like that. So, and, and before long, like, you're a lot richer. Sometimes, like, the way I categorize the difference between the GM and a president of operations is it's like NBA 2K, um, their GM mode, where it's like when you first start, you're like a GM, but you have to – do all of these tasks in order to not get fired that the owner gives you. But after a while, you gain enough credit 
that you could buy the team, but you still have the same responsibilities. And that's kind of like where it is in real life that you become like the president of operations. Yeah, I feel you and everything, but I'd rather be like a local hero. I think even though I'm not famous, like I'd rather even like be the guy. What what I said as a joke was like the guy in charge of like the music. So I told you, I'll be like, oh, I want to be the guy who like chooses what song comes out, what song come plays when someone comes out. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't know the parameters changed. Where okay, I'm an ex player. I actually played already. So I got really one of the guys who are like in like one of the in the booth, and like uh, I wasn't that famous. You know, it's just like one of those like uh, characters that give my uh, my two uh, you know my two cents and stuff. And and then every time they would play my song, and I'd be like, all right, here we go. And I would like turn out there and be like, hey guys, like I'll be a simple man, like a Sam Malone. That, that, you know, the whole thing with sports, I will, you know, that's my whole thing. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Mm-hmm. You know. Hopefully it would be in either the important cities like Boston, New York, and Chicago. You know, LA, okay. But that's it. I wouldn't want to be in like, uh, like in Milwaukee. I'd be like, oh yeah, he's the most famous person in Milwaukee. And some guy from New York shows up and he's like, who's that? I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, uh, yeah, that's it. Final thoughts is uh, we talk. Um, I'm gonna start with the sports. Start on the sports. Um, the mouse and the palace. I mean, the word alone. I mean, the title alone shows you how uh, you know important it was or infamous it was. Um, me and Shok uh, shared our moments about it early on, way before the show. Um, they were on one of my two favorite teams aside from the Knicks. Uh, I wanted all those guys on the Knicks. I wanted those guys on my Knicks. And um, things just got crazy. And uh, Shogi actually kind of told me more about the whole thing about like, that's the reason why a lot of things happen. I didn't realize that. I just thought it was like kind of a throwback to the 80s. And maybe that's me. I'm like, oh, I like, I like when people fight. I like things that, because I like hockey too. I like that shit. But I don't like when then things change for people for going forward. I don't like that. Uh, now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, you know, and uh, I don't like that. Uh, we're talking about Kyle Rittenhouse. Now I know, now I know his name. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, he's taking photos with uh, these celebrities. And I don't even want to even mention that he's a celebrity. Um, uh, of course, he's going to be a celebrity with social media. And it's like crazy. That looks, it's, it's just gross. A lot of th- things are gross. Things that happened in the summer, a lot of things were negative. And that's one of the things that happened. Um, you know, I want to talk about, oh, I don't know what else like talk about. Uh, let's talk about uh, Phil Mushnick. Uh, I, he's going to puke. I always talk about how Vince McMahon had a hard iron for this guy for years. And I always post it. And I think most people who look at it like laugh and stuff, and I'm like, no, there's a reason to it. Like Phil Mushnick was doing two things at once. Like he used to being a jerk and stuff, not jerk, but like just like being yellow journalism, uh, post the post. Anytime there's a, there's a joke in the New York city area where like you look at a New York post and you're like, Oh wow. Wow. They topped themselves this time. There'd be a picture of a pigeon and like a freaking like hat and like, you know, 
like a fake duty on it or whatever. And um, I always talk about Vince McMahon like that, but uh, he was trying to turn, take him down at the same time he was taking down a lot of other people that shouldn't have been taken down. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I, I want to talk more about things in episode 28, but we locked down with these. We have other things to talk about too with that, but uh, I don't know. That's all I can talk about right now. Um, I'm hoping that uh, we can talk about more stuff soon. Uh, I feel locked down with some of the topics, but uh, Chuck, what about you? Because I feel we're missing Joel. Well, most like I, I, I didn't realize like how um, anti wrestling he was till today and you know like i said he it ain't just like black or hispanic people he has an issue with he seems like somebody it's kind of funny because it seems like he's like the um the 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 carmudgeon on um payroll for the new york post and like i say it's a lot of articles that as soon as they pop up and I just read like the little caption, or I read like the headline, or I just know that it's him. And he just brings that like negativity, energy, uh, the nasty energy, right? Yeah, but I mean, he he does rub a lot of people the wrong way, and you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with like the Kyle Rittenhouse thing because you know, even though he rubs the people the wrong way there's people who still find value in that because he brings that, that attention. I mean, Kyle Rittenhouse literally while he just like killed um, two people. And then I think he injured like two more. There were people on Fox news. There were people on Fox news that um, were calling him like a hero and they need young people to be, um, just like him, and I, I, I'd venture to say, like, you know, they wouldn't have that. They not even venture. I would guarantee they would not have that same attitude if, you know, there was some black kid rolled up to one of these um MAGA rallies or these Trump rallies where they're trying to like um change the results of the election. Like, if that person showed up there with a gun. And decided to kill two people that he felt were unruly. They it wouldn't be that same thing. So it's kind of insane that this coffee company is, you know, working with him. But if you did your your, your homework on that coffee company, like it's nothing out of the ordinary for them. Um, the malice of the palace. Like I said, it's a watershed moment. It's one of the moments, like yeah. you remember exactly where you were and. What was going on um when it happened i definitely had like a um a residual effect that you know you're basically seeing today but like i said the the rule the the rule against guys coming out of high school it seems as if within the next year if not the year after that like the nba is actually thinking about lifting that rule so we're going to see, like, high school players back in the game and again. And like I said, in my young naivety, which, like, admittedly, it came out of a place of jealousy. I was just like, yo, like, if you got to go to college, you got to go to college. And, you know, college ain't really, like, for, like, everybody. So, you know, just to, like, force people when they could really make a difference. 
in um their family's life. Not only that, but when you look at the NCAA, where a lot of like oh man, amazingly stupid things like they sanctioned players for. Um, just a couple of days ago, they had the NBA draft. There was a kid, uh, James Wiseman. He was playing for Memphis, and his coach, who's actually a former NBA player, famous NBA player, Penny Hardaway, helped his family, like, move into their house. And for that, like, he had to sit out, like, the rest of the season before the pandemic and stuff like that. Like, he, had to, he only played, like, nine games before the NCAA, like, sanctioned him for, like, his, 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 um, his coach helping his family with like their home and stuff like that. So it just, it's a shady business and I'm glad to see like, it's starting to get eradicated and people are seeing like the, the social and the racial imbalance um, in, in the way that the malice and the palace is dealt with. Um, but, you know, that's a topic for another day, especially when you talk about like fights in hockey where, you know, that's like celebrated, but in, other sports is basically shunned upon, you know, sports that have, that are far more diverse. And, um, you know, what job would you take in sports, man? I would love any job in sports, but that, that would definitely be it, being the president of, like, operations for, for a team, um, especially if it's a team that I like because I know, like, I would try my best. But... You know, this was a fun episode. Hopefully, um, we'll have like the whole team, um, with us next next week, and you know, at least a few more times after that. And you know, oh, all my Seinfeld heads out there, the Josh Costanza got a job with his favorite team, Yankee, you know, the Yankees, and yeah, it's our own goal. I never know. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, everyone listening now, uh, before we talk again, it's going to be Thanksgiving. So, you know, the way you celebrate, hopefully you can celebrate and have the best time you can have. Um, and that's uh, and then it's going to be December. So have a Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, but this has been episode 20... 20- Eight of Sugar Twenty. Moon. Let's make sure we got the, the number right. And this has been Sugar Me the Mooney. Sugar Me the Mooney. Sugar Me the Mooney. <laughs> <laughs>